Today on Season 2, Episode 75 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Green Bay returns to the West Coast to face the San Diego or Los Angeles Chargers. Both teams coming off victories look to continue their winning ways. Unfortunately for them, two men enter, one man leaves. Will Jones continue to be the player that keeps defensive coordinators up at night? Will we see another sack celebration from the Super Smith Bros? Who gets our pregame balls? Listen in and find out. And now it's time for Lambeau Field West on tap. This is Green Bay. Green Bay. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go Pack! Go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. This is Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay. And welcome to the Unknown Packers Podcast, where I'm your co-host, Bryce Christensen, and alongside me I have Neebles for Lambeau West on tap. The Packers, NFC North leading Packers, 7-1, heading to the Los Angeles Chargers, not the San Diego Superchargers, as they're affectionately known from my childhood, who are 3-5, and five, new offensive coordinator, in L.A., and Lambeau West is fittingly named because our beautiful and brawny, brilliant, soothing sounds of our producer, Nebels coined our episode. And give us a little take on how you came up with Lambeau Field West on tap. I'm just going to start sitting here completely silent after your compliments and just make you sweat it out a little bit. Oh, you, oh, you want to play? You want to play that dance? No, we can play. Uh, we can, oh, we can, let's dance. Oh, I can polka. I can go toe to toe. This will be fun. All right, we'll see who sweats. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So, yeah, Lambo West. Traditionally, San Diego has had one of the the largest green and gold crowds for the Chargers Packers games. Uh, it seems to be that the Packers fans travel there better than pretty much any other stadium in the NFL. Um, as far as visiting fans are concerned, and I would expect the same out of L.A. Haven't played in L.A. yet. You know, haven't played the Chargers in a in a few seasons, so we will see. But even the Chargers blogs th- thus far that I was reading this week is expecting a heavy dose of the green and gold in the crowd. So it's like we have ha- home field advantage, even went away. Well, I love that. That's music to my ears with the Packers being 7-1. and one. They've won the last seven head-to-head meetings with the Chargers, but they haven't met since October 2015, and that was at Lambeau. That's where they had that huge lead, and it started to dwindle. I want to say that Demarius Randall, I think, made a play to end the game, either uh, a PBU or some sort of stout defensive coverage and we ended up uh, victorious that game in October 2015, which was an interesting year. But the Packers, tra- I thought this was a- the Packers traveled to Dignity Health Sports Park. I'll be completely honest with you. I had no idea where the Los Angeles Chargers played. Oh, uh, they smokes. have to be in San Diego. It- it- it's just weird. I feel bad for that fan base, too, because, man, San Diego Chargers, they are way more tied to their team than. Los Angeles, but it is what it is. Uh, We've got a different structure with this episode. Lambeau Field West on tap, and 
give give us give us the breakdown of what we can have our listeners expect throughout this episode. Yeah, for sure. And before we go there, uh, I just wanted to mention that I was listening to the podcast that Wayne Larravee does, and he came up with a drinking game that every time one of the TV announcers or whatnot, you know, mentions San Diego versus LA, you got to take a drink. So I thought that was kind of kind of funny. Ooh. But uh, yeah, the structure for today <laughs> thought we'd do it like you said a little bit differently. We're gonna take a we're gonna we're gonna break down the halves of our show by you know first talking about the Packers offense versus the Chargers defense. We'll do some pregame ball then, and then second half we will do the opposite. We'll go ahead and talk about the Chargers offense versus the Packers defense, and then give uh, another game ball followed by our wild card game ball. So we'll have offensive, defensive, and then a, a wild card game ball to give out. So a little bit different of a structure. We'll see how it goes. I mean. What can't you do, Neeples? I can't fly. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. You're so grounded and humble. Oh, man. I think this is going to be a great episode. Let's start it off. Let's then. hope. All right. Let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> Let's start it off with, uh, yeah, give me your take. I'm really curious. You've been, I feel like you've been, I mean, like I said, what can't you do? But you've been really knocking it out of the ballpark with pregame balls. And uh, let's let's see if it, let's ride this high wave right now, just like the Green Bay Packers, 7-1. and one. The only coach to do that in Packers history is rookie head coach Matt LaFleur. So, yeah, break it Love down it. for me, baby. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, I've, I've kind of taken the the villain role here in taking the opposing team side of things, kind of break them down for us. So, here we go. I will be talking about the Chargers defense. Now, one thing to note is for the second week in a row, the Packers open up as favorites on the road. They were five and a half point favorites at the Chiefs, and now they are, I believe, three, three and a half point favorites at the Chargers. So that's kind of cool. The Chargers themselves, they actually remind me of the Packers from a few seasons ago. They have a good quarterback. They have solid weapons around them. They have an okay defense. And then the type of team that's going to hang around all game and keep it interesting. However, they just have problems closing out the game. In seven out of the eight games the Chargers have played so far this season, they have been won or lost by seven points or less. Unfortunately for them, only two of those games have resulted in a win. Their other victory came against the hapless Dolphins. So <laughs> you kind of remember that you know, the Packers had, had been like that a couple of years ago that all the games were close. You know, yeah. they were winning or losing within, you know, a matter of points. I mean, so last year. Yeah, last year even. So that's yeah. kind of where the Chargers are at right now. As far as the Chargers defense is concerned, Casey Hayward will be facing his former team, the team that drafted him for the first nice. time in Southern California. Uh, he joined the Chargers in 2016. Since 2016, Hayward has the fifth most interceptions in the league at 13 and the second most pass defenses with 57. So obviously, as a Packer fan, we hear all the time, oh, shouldn't let Hayward go, shouldn't let Hayward go. So we'll you know, we'll see what he does to us this weekend. They will be without their stud safety, Derwin James. He yeah. is still trying to come back from a stress fracture in his foot. And they will also be without rookie safety, Nasir Adderley, who is a relative of former Packer Herb Adderley. Statistically, the Chargers rank 22nd in the league against the run. Sounds pretty lousy, but they're actually one spot ahead of the Packers. They are 11th against the pass, and they have the 13th ranked scoring defense, which is, again, one ahead of the Packers. One key matchup that we need to look out for 
is Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, and they have been coined the Super Sack Bros, not to be mistaken with the Super Smith Bros uh, of the P&Z Smith. Now, when you throw in Chris McCain on the edge and Darius Phylon, 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 I don't know, Darius (laughs) plugging up the middle, you're going to have a very strong defensive front. They do like to run a lot of NASCAR looks, using utilizing their speed and athleticism to confuse the offensive lines. And they have an adjusted sack rate of 9.3%, which would have been the best in the league last year. So they're reaching home on the quarterback on 9.3% of the plays. That's pretty pretty decent. What else do I have here? That's really bit it about the 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 defensive side of the ball, uh, statistically wise. I thought you brought it. Yeah. I thought you brought right, it. Ebles, right. Like I said, you bring it every week. And the, the intriguing thing for me, maybe our listeners are unaware of this, is that a lot of the information that you're sharing, I, I, I'm i not aware of. And so when we, we prep a little bit, the benefit of also hosting and and producing a podcast is that I get to sit back and also learn a ton of information as well. Heading into Sunday night's game scheduled for 325 Central Standard Time, 425 Eastern Time. I did want to add something, Nebels, in that the Packers are seventh in the league in scoring at 26.9 points per game. The Chargers allow 19.6 points per game, 10th in the NFL and Chargers defense end Joey Bosa is the only player with 40-plus tackles and 7-plus sacks this season. Nice. The Chargers also snapped a three-game skid with their win in Chicago this past Sunday. Was it 17-16? The Bears missed a 41-yard field goal mm-hmm. uh, as time expired in very vintage Bears fashion. Oh, I wish I, that would have doinked. <laughs> I, oh, that would have been great. I hysterically cackled, and my wife had no idea. She's like, what? Are the Packers on? I'm like, no, I I get a kick out of, uh, pun intended, I get a kick out of the Bears missing a kick and losing the game. I concur. Surpris- <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly enough, this statistic I wanted to add is that the Packers actually struggle in very toasty weather. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel just released an article about the Packers typically are viewed as a cold weather team, the frozen tundra. Since the AFL and NFL merger in 1970, the Packers have won 62% of their games when the temperature is 30 degrees or below. Temperatures will approach 80 degrees in Los Angeles on Sunday, and these are this is the Packers record in 80 degrees or above. It's actually 10, 12, and 1. The last couple of games, the one was the 26 debut or 26 season opener in Jacksonville, which we won. The also the thrilling 2017 win over Cincinnati, which was 89 degrees. That's the third hottest Packers game on record. The hottest Packer game in history was a 2003 battle against Arizona in 102 degree heat. So I think that's something to also keep in mind as well as how does Coach LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, you know, being the the professional that he is, and as Devonte Adams says, he's got his playoff stare. So when we're talking oh, yeah. about that, I think that, you know, the Packers go in 0-0 zero and zero like they do every week. LaFleur keeps them grounded. Uh, what's what's your vibe with the Packers offense? Well, with uh, my vibe with the Packers offense, yeah, I mean, they, they got to stay grounded. I, I do like that out of LaFleur. With the, the Packers offense... Do we get Adams back this week? I think that's the biggest thing. He's practiced. So he practiced on Wednesday limited, but then you also saw footage of him catching passes, you know, breaking. 
seems to be that he's inching closer and closer. For me, I, I mentioned this in the bearded duo sessions with Jeremiah, is that I want to make sure that he's 100%. So if exactly. there's something on Sunday where he feels where he's not 100%, I don't think you push it, especially with how Rodgers has fared with Kumaro and Lazard, Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis. I also think the the running backs as well with what Aaron Jones did last week. I think the interesting thing that with the Packers offense is that last week Aaron Jones had a shoulder injury that mm-hmm. he sustained in the mm-hmm. first half that I think that maybe we overlook in the Packers 31-24 victory over the Kansas City Chiefs in week 9. Aaron Rodgers threw for 305 yards, three touchdowns, two of them to Aaron Jones while he had that shoulder injury right. who had seven receptions for 159 yards. I think the biggest thing that you look at is that opposing quarterbacks rank second and third in passing yards this season against the San Diego Chargers. I'm going to take a drink real quick, but it's going to be a drink of delicious coffee this morning. <laughs> Yum. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Um, I had I had something to say, but now I don't have anything to say. Nice. Well, I'll add this real quick. Rodgers has thrown for 2,324 yards and 16 touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, the Packers are seventh in the league in scoring at 26.9 points per game. And like I mentioned, the, the Chargers have allowed 19.6 points per game. The thing that I look at is that I don't think we're still viewed as a uh, an elite offense. I think that there are a lot of people that are skeptical that Aaron Jones is truly busting out. I think people are sleeping on the fact that I believe that we have the most dangerous uh, one-two punch in the NFL with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Uh, Not only as not only can they run, they can also catch the ball and they're incredible in pass protection too. So they're not a liability in that aspect. And when you look in the offseason, where Brian Gutekunst, I mean, when he was inducted or when he was introduced as the general manager, he mentioned that he would leave no stone unturned. He would be in every conversation. And the parallel is that when Coach Lafleur was brought on, he wanted the Green Bay Packers football team to be as well-rounded as possible in all aspects of the game, offense, defensively, and special teams. Special teams, you know, we're we're not quite there yet for obvious reasons. I don't think we have the playmaker at that punt return, kick return sure. position. But when you look at the parallels of Gutekunst and his approach and Coach Lafleur and his approach, you look at what he's done with the tight end. Like Jimmy Graham has never been a blocking or considered a blocking tight end. He's in there blocking. So the thing that I like about Coach Lafleur is that you better buy into our system. I'm not going to put you in just this one category. I'm going to make you as well-rounded as possible. And I think that's the thing that we're that if that people might be overlooking is that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are excellent in all facets of the game at, at being a running back. I think that is the biggest matchup for us. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to bring his A game. It's going to be hot. For me, you have uh, Jamal Williams coming from BYU on the West Coast, familiar with that with that heat. Also, Aaron Jones playing at UTEP and being from El Paso, being familiar with that heat. So for me, I think it comes down to people are – I still think people are sleeping on the fact that we're the most dangerous one-two combo in the league. I think it's going to be a healthy dosage of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And I hope – to see Devonte Adams, but that'll be the big question. That's the biggest news I'll be keeping an eye on on Sunday. 
For sure. And you have to remember that Rogers himself is from Southern California. So he's he's used to this weather. He's played in it throughout his career through college, high school and whatnot. So I don't think I don't think the the warm weather is going to be a big issue at all. I'm going to go ahead and break script a little bit here, and I'm just going to give out my offensive game ball, pregame ball right off the bat. What do you think about that? I think it's sexy. All right. And it's <laughs> it's it's an, it's an easy pick. We've been talking about him already, but I'm just going to have to keep it rolling with Aaron Jones again this week. I think he I'm is absolutely rolling right now, and he's going to continue that way in Los Angeles. Uh, like I said, it's, uh, it's going to be some nice weather. Footing shouldn't be a problem. He's a you know he's a Texas boy, used to that kind of kind of things. And with Devonte, with the the threat of him coming back, that would be pretty awesome. I mean, if Devonte comes back, that's going to take the the defensive focus off of Jones completely. Because right now, with how Jones has has been playing, you would have to think the defenses are trying to game you know game plan for him. Like you mentioned in our no homes mo problems episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, both Adams and Jones on the field, it is a much tougher task for opposing defenses to game plan for. If you put too much, give too much attention to one of them, the other one is going to you know escape and, and make some big plays and vice versa. Jones is becoming one of those backs that just keeps D coordinators up at night. Uh, he's a strong, evasive runner. He is a linebacker matchup nightmare. As you mentioned, if you put a linebacker on him, yeah. good luck, good luck. And right. also, you know, go ahead and try to put, uh, you know, a, a DB on him and leave someone else, one of our other weapons, free to to burn you. So just having him out there, it just causes a, causes a matchup problem because you have you have to focus on him. You cannot let him do his thing. And when you choose to focus on him, that is going to free up another one of our guys. And that's that's going to be a big problem going down the stretch for opposing defenses. So. My game ball, pre-game ball, is going to go to Aaron Jones. I think even more than than statistical results, just what he brings to the field, what he does to uh, opposing defensive coordinators, opposing defenses, it's going to do a lot for us down the road. I completely agree with you. I love that first pre-game ball. I see what Tyreek Hill did to the Packers' defense and where we completely had to... We had to be responsible for him at all times, and even when the football wasn't in his hands, he was still creating so much attention that he allowed for other playmakers to open up. That's why I look at Aaron Jones. His speed, his vision, and now his prowess in pass catching, nail in the coffin, third down and five, no problem, simple check. Again, another linebacker on him, and and Rodgers trusts Jones to ice the game essentially to you know nail in the coffin w so i i i love that pregame ball i'm going to go as we wrap up the first half of Lambeau Field West on tap i'm going to go the opposite and i think there's going to be so much attention on Aaron Jones he's still going to eat he is going to eat but i think that there's going to be so much attention on Aaron Jones that Jamal Williams is going to bust out he'll be my first uh the first time that i've recognized him as a pregame ball I think people are sleeping on the fact that it's not just Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams can also handle the rock. Coach LaFleur, when he went, when Jamal Williams went down against the Philadelphia Eagles, that might have been the reasons why we lost the game. Uh, that was probably the, uh, the script that LaFleur went in thinking short week. All right, we're going to have Jamal Williams. Aaron Jones was still warming up a little bit. And Aaron Jones didn't bust out until the following week against Dallas. So I think that 
the way the offseason, the way preseason has shaped, they put a lot of confidence in Jamal Williams. I think he breaks out. He's he's my first pregame ball. I, love it. I I think he finds the end zone. I I think he shows that he's not just a guy that can haul in a miracle catch or that he plays just second fiddle. I think he brings just as much oomph to this offense as Aaron Jones. We're going to take a quick commercial break. I'm fired up for the second half of Lambeau Field on tap. Go Pack Go. You are listening to the Unknown Packers podcast. Do you want to be a part of the show? If so, give our listener line a call. Leave your name, a comment, concern, or question, and we will include your message on an upcoming episode. Call 920-328-5269. Again, that's 920-328-5269. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget to show us some love and rate us on your favorite podcast provider. Now, let's get to the second half. for the second half of Lambeau Field on tap. And like Nibbles had said, we've got a different structure for this episode. And we'll be highlighting the second half of this portion. We'll be focused on the Chargers offense and the Packers defense with our defensive game ball and then a wild card game ball as we wrap up Lambeau Field on tap. Nibbles, take it away, my man. Give 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 us the lowdown. All right. The lowdown. Let's talk Chargers offense. Uh, the the biggest note is even though they did beat the Bears last weekend, the Chargers did fire offensive coordinator Ken Weisenhunt Monday, which you had mentioned earlier in the episode. So thanks for stealing my thunder as usual. Um, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> anyway, you're talking about some offensive ranks here. The Chargers offense is ranked 21st in points scored. Uh, as opposed to the Packers, who are ranked third. They are ranked 28th in rushing yards. Uh, However, they are ranked fourth in passing yards, which is actually two spots ahead of the Packers, believe it or not. I was actually actually pretty surprised when I saw that. Now that Wisenhunt is is gone, Anthony Lynn wants to try to focus on a more balanced attack, as every coach seems to. They really want to get the running game going. And once again, all the blogs are saying, blah, 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 this Packers game is the perfect game for them to get that uh, get that going against the, the struggling Packers run defense. The Chargers offense is led by Phillip Rivers, been around forever. He has 2,315 passing yards this season, which puts him at third in that category. And he has the weapons to throw to. He has uh, he has 12 touchdowns, which puts him in the upper middle middle end of the pack. But he also has seven picks and two lost fumbles this season. So he does have a problem with turning those ball, balls over. So I would look for the opportunistic Packers defense to force bad throws and rattle him early. Now, Rivers sits behind the 27th ranked run blocking offensive line, but they are the ninth best pass blocking offensive line in the league, which explains why he is ranking thirds in yards. They have only allowed 14 sacks this season, which is three less than Green Bay has allowed. The receiving core is led by Keenan Allen. However, he has been limited in practice this week with a hamstring injury. He has been kind of, I don't want to say milking, but he this, this has been a nagging hamstring injury for him for the last couple of weeks. You can expect to see big Mike Williams line up on the other side of the field. He has been solid this season, but 
nothing spectacular. Melvin Gordon is back for his fourth game after his lengthy holdout. He hasn't really got going yet, but again, he hopes to get going against the Packers' struggling run defense this week. He's currently only currently only averaging about two and a half yards a carry and has one touchdown again over those past four games. So he's definitely been struggling. Now, the one guy that I am worried about, the one guy that is going to take a lot of the Packers' defensive attention is Austin Eckler. Yep. Um, yep. He has emerged as a dual threat with the Chargers. While he's only averaging 3.5 yards on the ground, he is the Chargers' second-leading receiver with 51 receptions for 507 yards and five touchdowns. So he's got his own Aaron Jones things going, you know, his own Aaron Jones thing going on right now. Slightly lesser extent, but he's a guy that they really need to watch out for because he uh, he's bound to have that breakout game here. He is a two-headed monster again, similarly to our own Aaron Jones. With that being said, what do you have on on the uh, the Packers side of the ball? So I'm excited because I think that maybe maybe this is just my gut, maybe this is my intuition, where I feel that maybe a lot of people are sleeping. And they shouldn't be sleeping on Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. But I just feel that, you know, you think of Dalvin Cook, you think of Christian McCaffrey, you think of Kamara. Uh, I I don't see why Aaron Jones can't be in that conversation. And in the same vein, I don't see – I see why people are concerned about the Green Bay Packers defense. They started off really hot. When you look at DVOA, thank you to uh, Dusty Evely of Packer Report, Cheesehead TV. That is defense-adjusted value over average. And for its total defense as well as rushing and passing defensive separated. And what I look at when you look at the Green Bay Packers is last week they were ranked 7th. This week they're ranked 13th. And when you look at the top, I would say top 7 teams, you got New England, San Francisco, Denver, Rams, Carolina, and New Orleans. And so Green Bay was in that conversation and fell to... 13th, looking at the overall defense. Now, when you're thinking about Mike Pettin and how I felt like quarterbacks like Matt Moore, unsuspecting quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks, we've always had fits with that, regardless of who our defensive coordinator is. I think Mike Pettin has also struggled with Kenny Clark not being 100%, not having uh, Darnell Savage out there. Kevin King was also hurt in, in preseason. And then we also have so many new faces, too, as well, with Adrian Amos, Zadarius Smith, and Preston Smith. When I talk about week seven, week eight, where everything's going to gel and you're going to start to see the identity of the Green Bay Packers team, I think this is the game where we really start to see the identity of Mike Pettin. When we're looking at rankings, and especially players specifically, I think it's really impressive when you look at guys like Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. So we talk about Joey Bosa, we talk about Melvin Ingram, the super sack bros, but look at the impact that Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith have had in eight games played. If you're looking at sacks alone, Zadarius Smith has eight already, Preston Smith has seven. When you're looking at tackles for loss, Zadarius Smith has eight, Preston Smith has six. You're looking at quarterback hits, Zadarius Smith has 15, and Preston Smith has 13. So I think really the defense revolves around can Preston Smith and can Zadarius Smith get to the quarterback. The offensive line for the San Diego Chargers, I'm going to take another drink of my coffee. Sure. 
Um, and as one note, well, let, me finish, I, let me finish oh, this no, real quick. I'm you sorry. do not get to finish <laughs> uh, with the offensive line being in tatters. I think that you're going to see Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith wreak havoc. So that is actually going to be my second game ball is the Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith effect when it comes to that. And now I'm sorry for cutting you off. I hope you're you can forgive me. I, I, I miss <laughs> your body. About it. I think <laughs> I was just going to add to your your ZNP Smith one interesting note. I don't know if you realize, but they both have a chance to set career highs in sacks this weekend. Each of them need just one to do so. So if if either one of them get a, a sack, that's they that's their new career high, which is kind of cool. Seeing as this is only we're only halfway through the season, that just shows that scheme matters, you know. So and. Even when you Mike Patton talked about like where he was hoping that he'd get one of them, and I believe Brian Gutekunst said the same thing in the off season that they were hoping to get one of them, Preston Smith or Zadarius Smith, and they ended up getting both. And I, what what a difference that makes compared to Clay Matthews and Nick Perry from a year ago to now Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. And when you're looking at just paying attention to just them when it comes to the game, like going back and. And reviewing the tape and looking at just them, there uh, Ben Fennel does a great job of breaking down like the snug uh, the snug alignment and then the wide alignment and all these different approaches that Zadarius Smith has. Th- these aren't these aren't fluke sacks. He is consistently getting to the quarterback. He has a ton of different tools at his disposal to get to the quarterback. And the way that the Chargers' offensive line is a bunch of injuries. Anthony Lynn is the former running backs coach of the Buffalo Bills, so he wants to focus on the run game more, which is why Ken Winnison Hunt was essentially fired, I believe. So you're going to look at Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. They're they're going to get their yards, which I'm fine. The, the thing that I look at is how often do Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith get home? And if they wreak havoc and they get to Phillip Rivers, uh, who I think is one of uh, the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL right now, if you look at it, probably doesn't get enough uh, accolades, but he's been doing it year in, year out. I'm really looking forward to seeing the battle of Rodgers and Rivers. And you look at Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram compared to Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. We have a better offensive line, so I feel better overall that we're going to hit home more, and I think we're going to protect more when Definitely. it comes to Aaron Rodgers. I would agree. And everybody talks to me. I said Super Smash, Super Smash, the Super Sack Bros, you know, being one of the best duos in the league. They only have, I think, eight sacks between them. So you know, with Z and P, they're 15? they're almost we're doubling that. So, and who yikes. would have and who would have expected that? I mean, I both of them. Granted, cash they cashed in, but you know it's an inflated market, and you also have to pay to fortify that cover. But kudos to Brian Gutekunst for seeing what I think were hidden gems. I think that they were looked at as more of contributors rather than taking over games, and I think both of them have the impact to take over games. I, I I'm curious to see what kind of sack celebration we're gonna get if it's gonna be a, maybe an evolved version of Pennywise since. It's really close to Halloween. If there's going to be something a little bit more with the whole s- snow effect hitting yes. Wisconsin, have you gotten snow too? Oh, it? dude! Yes. So yesterday, Halloween, kids are trick or treating. I actually had to go out and snow blow the driveway. <sighs> we had we had three plus inches of wet slushy snow, like the heart attack snow. So yeah, I was out there at four o'clock in the afternoons on 
October 31st, snow blowing, snow blowing the driveway. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, the gr- um, the greater Milwaukee area got hit with like six inches, like uh, about half an hour away from us, and in Cedarburg got hit with six. Uh, oh. We got we got a few inches, but it, yeah, I I think that uh, <laughs> who who would have thought that? Who's uh, who? Getting back, I digress. Who is your uh, second game ball, my friend? All right, my defensive pre-game ball, I am going to give uh, Kevin King a shot this week. Uh, I'm not sure who he's going to be matched up on. You know, Allen is pretty banged up uh, for the Chargers. He's going to be slowed by his nagging hamstring injury, so that may make sense for Patton to to put King on him. However, you have Mike Williams on the other other side of the field at 6'4", very large-framed individual. So Kevin King may be stuck on him as well. I think that uh, you know, given the given Kevin King's height, I think he's a better matchup for Williams and Jair. Either way, whoever he's on, I am expecting King to be all over the field, and I am thinking he is going to record his fourth interception of the year on Sunday. I love it. I love uh, Kevin King, what he brings to the table as well as Jair Alexander. I don't think people realize like how I think he's got eight passes defended and Jair has 11 so quarterbacks are still throwing I think this is the game where you see uh, Rivers with the new offensive coordinator Mike Pettin said that typically in his experience where you bring in a new offensive coordinator which I think he he said he had experience so I'm wondering if that was with with Cleveland uh, something that I didn't really research too much but typically they say that things aren't going to change that much but I do know that Anthony Lynn wants to run the ball a lot with it being Philip Rivers, with being the gamer that he is, uh, they, you know, the, the they broke the three-game losing streak. They're at three and five. Uh, they're a resilient group. They're playing at home. I think it's going to be a, a closer game than than one would expect. And maybe some people are throwing their hands up in the air and being like, "Ah, oh, I want us to blow out teams." It's not college football. It's the NFL, and I think that's where I notice the big discrepancy is that in college football, you see teams just completely destroy. In the NFL, I don't unless you're playing the Miami Dolphins, I I don't really see that type of impact. There are a lot more closer games I've noticed lately, and I think this is going to be another one. I think that uh, the Chargers are sneaky. It's also going to be extremely hot. I'm wondering, Coach LaFleur, in that heat, Calling that as well as Petten, does that have an effect on uh, the intrapersonal demands, the psyche? Does the heat influence you a little bit? I mean, it's not going to be 100, but I wonder if that does influence a little bit. Uh, my my second game ball is actually going to be Darnell Savage. I think he he started off he started off the season on fire. I'm recording interception, I believe, end of September, and then had an ankle injury. We got to see him come back record seven tackles. What we've talked about, the great white shark, the macho man. I think what he, this is going to be his breakout game, to be honest. I think that with Preston Smith and, and Zadarius Smith wreaking havoc, uh, creating pressure, I think Phillip Rivers is going to let a lot of balls fly. <laughs> I don't know why I chuckle. I'm sorry. <laughs> a lot of a lot of throws just fly. <laughs> and I feel like Darnell Savage has that capability. Uh, he had an opportunity to haul an interception in the end zone. You can call it an offensive pass interference on Travis Kelsey, which I thought it was. It was not called. I think that he shows why the Green Bay Packers traded up to get him. Uh, I think that he. I think he 
benefits from the Smith brothers getting all that pressure. I see him getting an interception. I see him getting double-digit tackles, especially with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler running the ball. I think they bring Savage in a lot to help up shore up that uh, rush defense. So he'll be my second game ball. Love it. Why don't you, uh, do you have a wild card game ball for us? I do. I'm actually going to go with a position group. I'm going to go with the Packers tackle group. When you look at David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga, I don't know how much the Chargers are going to switch it up or if they'll have, you know, Bosa on the left, Ingram on the right, or if they move them, have a lot of, I guess, create a lot of confusion where they they dial it up and they put them in different positions. So I look at David Bakhtiari as well as Brian Balaga, who had a dislocated finger uh, in the end of the fourth quarter, I believe. And luckily the game had uh, already been solidified by that time, but they had popped in x-ray a finger injury. They had talked about maybe having him wrapped up in a club. He denied that. And Lafleur backed up saying that he's a pro and he'll he'll be able to suit up but if he doesn't, I think that Alex Light was able to come in and show that, especially with David Bakhtiari leaving, I believe, in the first or second quarter briefly. Actually, it was a third quarter briefly. Alex Light coming in at that left tackle position. I think you, we'll see what we've got with Bosa and Ingram. I think Bakhtiari has, um, not not to say that he's had a bad start, but you know, a, a more penalties than usual, full sure. start holdings. Uh, you look at Brian Balaga, this might be the best years so far of his career, but with that finger injury and him being a tackle, does that slow him down in any way? And if there is a reason that we bring in Alex Light, can he can can he be consistent? So my wild card will be that tackle position. I think that our bookends, if they keep Aaron Rodgers upright, I think that we come away victorious. No, that's a very good pick. I like that. You know, especially since I'd mentioned previously that the Chargers like to run that NASCAR package a lot, that that very speedy athletic, mm-hmm. you know, group moving all over the field. So, you know, you are correct. The tackles are going to have their hands full this week. My wild card, my wild card pregame ball is going to go to Mason Crosby. Ah, um, nice. Yeah. Now, field goals mean that you aren't putting seven on the board. However, I do expect him to have a solid kicking game, maybe a field goal here and there. I would just like to see him put some ass behind his kickoffs, kick it to the end zone. Don't give their offense any reason to start beyond the 25-yard line. I think these kickoffs, you know, our, our coverage team is kind of sketchy. So I think he's going to step up, leave the Chargers with a long field. He's not going to miss any extra points. He's been very, very solid. I don't think he's missed one yet this season, so that's not a concern. Um, like I mentioned, maybe a field goal here and there. But I think it's just going to be an all-around great game for Clutch Crosby. I think he's just going to be solid. Clutch Crosby, I love it. I- so let's recap. Give me your three game balls again. Yes. So to recap, I have Kevin King on defense. I have Aaron Jones on offense and I have Mason Crosby for the wild card. Awesome. I have uh, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, brother from another mother. And I have Darnell Savage, uh, rookie first round draft pick out of out of Maryland, a guy that just has blazing speed. I can't wait to see what happens on Sunday. And three, that tackle position. I I'm, I really want to see a solid game from Bakhtiari. Uh, not to say solid game. I, I, I want to see what the elite pass blocking, the eliteness that he usually brings. I want to see that on display. And this is on Sunday. The unknown I'm curious to see Packers if this, if this finger in, 
injury slows Balaga down anyway if we were to see Alex Light. But those are my three game balls. Overall, it. we're feeling good with Lambeau Field West on tap. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, Nebels, I I think we're grooving. I think your your pregame balls are going to turn into actually correct predictions. I hope so. I hope so. And as always, go Pack Go. Thank you so much again for tuning in to the Unknown Packers podcast. We hope you enjoyed Lambeau Field West on tap. I am your co-host, Bryce Christensen, and alongside me, I'm Nebels. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Make sure that you're tuning in to TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Play, Stitcher, and a variety of other podcast platforms. Don't forget to say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're good friends with Alexa. Make sure you're checking out our website, theunknownpackers.com, as well as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Reddit, the Unknown Packers podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Bryce Christensen, and this is the Unknown Packers podcast.